from NPR and WNYC, live from Central Park Summer Stage in New York City, this is Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, your host for another hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. This is a star-studded show, so settle in, put the car in park, pour yourself an adult beverage, perhaps an Earl Grey tea, because coming up, we have singer-songwriter Nellie Mackay, comedian and filmmaker David Wayne, and from NBC's The Office, writer and actor B.J. Novak. And if that wasn't enough, let me introduce the man whose music always makes our show shine, Jonathan Colton. Hello, everybody. Hello, Fira. So to get things started, I'm going to bring on our first VIP, our very important puzzler. He's the host of PRI's Studio 360, which is produced by our partners at WNYC. He is one of my radio heroes, the one and only Kurt Anderson. Hello, Ophira. Now, Kurt, let me get something straight. You've written for film, television, stage, countless magazine features, New Yorker, New York Times, Time Magazine's architecture design critic for eight years, co-founded Spy Magazine. You curated an exhibit at the Smithsonian, four best-selling books, three novels, one nonfiction, and you host a Peabody Award-winning weekly radio show. How about making some decisions, you know, declaring a major already? It, it, it works uh, being a dilettante, so I'm, I keep doing it. Uh, I do my best. I do my best. And you've been doing Studio 360 now for how many years? Uh, 12, 13. 12, 13. Like that, yeah. And during that time, of course, you've talked to so many amazing people. You've had them on the show. Any, someone that stood out to you as a true, unexpected pleasure? Uh, Susan Sontag, because she was truly my a hero of mine, and the day before she was to come on, and we were going to spend an hour talking about war as the war in Iraq was about to begin, and her assistant said to my producer, Mr. Anderson should know that Ms. Sontag does not suffer fools. Like, I wasn't scared enough already. Uh, And uh, so I tried not to be a fool, and it was lovely. And uh, she is the single guest who ever sent me a written thank you note after an interview. Yeah, that means a lot. Yeah. What's the best way to deal with celebrity interviews? Uh, Establish an uncanny rapport. (laughs) Okay, so done. I see. I get it. This is pretty easy. Well, Kurt, it's no easy task coming up with an opponent for you, uh, someone that could match your wits, your intellect, but we managed to find your perfect match. She is an author, and coincidentally, your wife. Welcome, Anne Kramer. Hello. Hi, you are a writer. Uh, your books are going gray, and it's always personal. If you were to write a memoir detailing your courtship to Kurt, what would be a good title for it? Best first date ever. Really? Yeah. It was a blind date, and it really was fabulous. Kurt, it was well back in the done. 1940s when you you know a couple of dollars could go a long way and you could really treat a dame right. You know what I'm saying? And who do you think is going to win this game? Kurt. Oh, wow, interesting. <laughs> well, we'll find out. This game is titled "Married Not Married" and it's about famous fictional couples in literature. We'll describe each literary couple, and you have to ring in and tell us who they are. Plus, you get a bonus point by telling us whether or not they ever got married. To give examples, as well as the occasional hint, and to keep score, we have a special VIP puzzle guru, New York Times crossword puzzle editor, and NPR's puzzle master, Will Shorts. 
Will, could you please give our esteemed contestants an example? Yes. He couldn't give a damn, but she thought tomorrow is another day. You would identify that literary couple as Rhett Butler and Scarlett O'Hara, and that, yes, they were married in the novel Gone with the Wind. And the winner of this round will not only have bragging rights at the dinner table, but he or she will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Yikes. Jonathan, you're going to help me with this game. Yes, I am. Here's your first question. This star-crossed pair was depicted in the first film ever shot here in Central Park way back in 1908. Everyone knows that lovers by any other names wouldn't smell as sweet. Who are they? And were they married? <laughs> Kurt. Romeo and Juliet. Why, that is correct. Are they, were they ever married? Mm, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, they were married. Oh, really? they were, it was just no. short. It just lasted five days. Yeah. And then they... It ended then, badly. And then they died. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. That's, uh, that's how you get out of a prenup. Yeah. She's smart and witty, but tends to judge people at first impression. He's antisocial and aloof, but stinking rich. And it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune... Must be in want of a wife. Sure. Who are they and were they married? Kurt. I, I gave you time. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Mr. Darcy and uh, what's her name? You know, Emma. No, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. Oh, well. And do you want to... Uh... I forget. I'm sorry. You don't have to apologize to me. <laughs> the answer is Elizabeth Bennett. Right. Right. And Mr. Darcy. From Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice, that's right. Yes. Pride and Prejudice, by the way, are the names right now of two twin contestants on Toddlers and and Tierras. You're joking. I am joking. One of my favorite programs. (laughs) It is one of my favorite programs. Well, then you probably get this one. He was a scarred child with a great, horrible destiny. She was the smartest and cleverest witch of her age anyone had ever met. They had many misadventures in boarding school together. Who are they, and were they married? Anne. Harry Potter and Hermione Granger. Yes. And they were not married. That is correct. Harry Potter. (laughs) Here's a little musical clue. We're knights of the round table We dance whenever able We do routines and chorus scenes With footwork impact cable We dine well here in Camelot We eat ham and jam and Spamalot Together this pair basically ruins Spamalot I mean Camelot With their adulterous love affair Turns out the round table was more like a love triangle Who were they and were they married? Kurt Guinevere and Lancelot Correct And were they married or were they not? No, He's going certainly maybe. not. No, that is correct. <laughs> Guinevere was married to King Arthur only, and Lancelot uh, had a thing with Merlin, I think. Just a brief dalliance. <laughs> He's an able French nobleman and a soldier with a nose for poetry. She was a beautiful mademoiselle with a soft spot for sweet talk. Who are they, and were they married? Kurt. Cyrano and Roxanne. That is correct. And were they married? (laughs) 
Does it really matter? <laughs> Does it really matter? <laughs> um, they had a thing. Did it work? Uh, no. Correct. That is right. Good job. Which is good because they were cousins. Yeah. Yes, and? Yeah, all right, got it. (laughs) All right, this is your last clue. In another Shakespearean play, he was a Roman who liked bacchanalias. She was an Egyptian queen with a thing for snakes. Who are they? And in the play, were they married? Anne? Cleopatra and Mark Antony. Yes. Were they married? Um, In the play, were they married? No. That's correct. (laughs) Well done. done. Mark Antony was married to Fulvia and then Octavia. And Eddie Fisher, one of them was married to. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, how did our contestants do? It was neck and neck, but Kurt won by one point. Congratulations. I predicted this. By one point, Kurt, you will be moving on to our Ask Me One More final round. That is so exciting to me. I'm very excited. That's going to be a great showdown. Thank you so much, Anne. How about a hand for Kurt Anderson and Anne Kramer? Like I said, this is a star-studded show, so let me bring on our VIP musical guest, singer-songwriter Nellie Mackay. Hi, Nellie. How you doing? Very good. Nellie, you're a singer-songwriter, troubadour, gal about town. You do it all, but are we your first game show? I think so. <laughs> you think so? We're very excited. Well, I know that you and Jonathan have something Central Park appropriate to sing for us. Oh, yes. Yes, we do. It seemed, uh, it seemed like this would be a good one to do. This is a Simon and Garfunkel song. You got to make the morning last Just kicking down the cobblestones Looking for fun and feeling groovy She got no rhymes for me Jonathan Colton. 
Coming up, we've got more word game songs and trivia, plus we'll talk to funny men David Wayne and BJ Novak. So stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg. Coming up, we'll reminisce about the songs of summer and we'll take a cinematic tour of New York City. Plus, we'll put director David Wayne and actor B.J. Novak up to an Ask Me Another challenge. But first, joining us on stage right now are Allison Kelsey and Sam Dennehy. <laughs> Allison, you are joining us from Philadelphia. I am. And you used to work in Central Park. Is I that did. Correct? What did I you do? I did. I worked for the Central Park Conservancy. I had a fellowship during graduate school, and I ran around with a clipboard and some paper and an eraser and did uh, condition surveys. Excellent. Sam is also visiting. You're visiting from Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri? That's correct. And you are on your honeymoon. Yep. This is your honeymoon right now? Currently, yeah. We are all part of your honeymoon. Do you realize that forever? Yeah. Wow. This game is called They're Not Booing. Jonathan, I'm sure you don't hear any booing at your concerts, correct? Uh, no, there's a lot of booing at my concerts. It's sort of a constant low-level booing. <laughs> but I actually, I don't think it's booing. I think that much like they do at a Bruce Springsteen concert, I think probably they are yelling, Bruce. That's what I assume anyway. So, contestants, in this game, your answers should fit right in. Because when you answer, you must draw out the sound to match a Springsteen crowd. If we asked on Rocky and Bowwinkle, what kind of animal is Bowwinkle? You would answer, moose. Okay. Allison's like, <laughs> really? This is what we're doing? Yes, it is. All right. So ring in when you know the answer and give us your best ooh sound, and the winner will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Treetop, Mott's, and Martinelli's are top-selling brands of what kind of beverage? Sam. Apple juice. That is right. It's fun. Not very heartfelt, though. (laughs) (laughs) According to Greek mythology, who is the ruler of Mount Olympus? Allison. Zeus. (laughs) Exactly. In geometry, what's the term for an angle greater than 90 degrees, but less than 180 degrees? Sam. Obtuse. (laughs) Kind of boo. You guys sound foolish. <laughs> I like that you did that at the end. You sort of apologized. You were like, obtuse. <laughs> and that is correct. Exactly. Owned by Bacardi, this is a popular brand of vodka made in France. Allison. Grey Goose. That is how people who drink it say it. You are correct. Author J.D. Salinger was famous for being this kind of person, one who withdraws from public sight. Sam. Recluse. (laughs) 
That is correct. You kind of said it like one, actually. <laughs> What's a shade of light green tinged with yellow? Allison. Puce. That is a nasty clue oh. because that is a color with an ooze sound. And it's green. But it's not the right one. Oh, come on. Sam? Char- chartreuse. <laughs> chartreuse is correct. It's also the name of a liquor and the name of the drag queen waitress that might serve it to you. <laughs> and this is your last question. You'd find this at the end of a freight train or in the seat of your pants. Allison. Caboose. <laughs> Caboose is right. Well done. Well, how did our amazing contestants do? They both scored well, but our champion is Sam. Sam! You'll be moving on to our asking one more final round. Allison, a fantastic contestant. Thank you so much. If you answer a trivia question in a forest and no one is around to hear it, does it count? No. That's why you need to get on our show. To be on NPR's Ask Me Another, send us an email at askmeanother at npr.org or find us on Twitter or Facebook. We'll send you a quiz to see if you'll get stumped. At this time, let's bring back our VIP, Nellie Mackay, to the Ask Me Another stage. And we also have two new contestants, Judy Wolf and Cassidy Brown. Hello. Oh, hi. Judy Cassidy, what is a song that I might find on your summer soundtrack? I think I have to download it still. Okay, because, Cassidy. But uh, the hot town, summer in the city, oh, yeah, back of great... my neck, getting dirty and gritty. Love that song. <laughs> that's a good one. Great. Okay, Judy? I want to be nostalgic. How about, uh, will I see you in September? Have a good time for the summer. I don't know. Those are both great songs, and that's good to know because this next game is called Songs of Summer. Jonathan, this is your department. Yes, well, every summer there is one song that you just cannot escape that captures what it feels like to be sitting on the beach or barbecuing in the backyard. Last year, it was Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. (laughs) 250 years ago, it was Yankee Doodle Came to Town. Also by Carly Rae Jepsen, weirdly. So in this game, Nellie and I are going to play some songs of summers gone by, and you must identify them. Here's your first question. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so pleasant about that place. Even your emotions have an echo in so much space. Does that make me... Does that make me mm, Does that make me mm, Possibly Judy Uh, You make me crazy? Crazy is correct Gnarls Barkley's song from 2006, although I have to say, if you remember when you lost your mind, you are the sanest lunatic I have ever met. Nonsense, this course is just nonsense. But do be top bop doo up, but do be top bop doo. Yeah, yeah. 
Cassidy. Mbop. <laughs> yes. By the gorgeous Hanson brothers. By, wow, yes. Sometimes you picture me I'm walking too far ahead You're calling to me I can't hear what you've said Then you say, go slow I fall behind The second hand unwinds you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Blah, blah, de blah. If you fall, I will catch you by my way. Blah, blah, de blah. Cassidy. Time after time. <laughs> yes. Okay, here we go. I play along with the charade There doesn't seem to be a reason to change You know, I feel so dirty when they start talking cute I want to tell her that I love her, but the point is probably mute Cause she's watching him with those eyes And she's loving him with that body, I just know it And he's holding her in his arms, You know, I wish that I had Oh, oh Judy rang in, but Cassidy got there first. Cassidy? Jesse's girl! <laughs> I like that Judy's doing backup for that, by the way. That was awesome. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Nobody knows it. When I was down, I was your clown. Judy. Don't go breaking my heart. Don't go breaking my heart is correct. Elton John and Kiki D. That's correct, yeah. For no bonus point whatsoever, that is correct. <laughs> you guys were amazing. Will, how did our contestants do? Cassidy was the expert at ringing in, and he's the winner. <laughs> Congratulations, Cassidy. Thank you. You'll be moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Thank you so much, Judy, for being a great contestant. And special thanks to Nellie Mackay, everybody. Let's welcome to the stage our next special guest. He's the writer and director of the films Role Models, Wanderlust, and Wet Hot American Summer. Please welcome David Wayne. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Ask Me Another, David Wayne. I'm so happy to be here in Central Park. This is so cool. How does it feel to be a cult leader? That is my question. A cult you, leader? Yes. You're on one of the quintessential summer movies, Wet Hot American Summer, right. about summer camp. That has made you a, a cult leader. I'm sure people come up to you and they're like, sign my tent or whatever. What do they do? I, th- I, I, 
don't think I'm a cult leader. That's a, that has a negative connotation. Oh, really? I, like I think it. Uh, Michael Showalter and I made a movie that has become definitely a cult movie, and that's very gratifying. How about cult hero? Do you like that? Yes, cult icon, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. cult god, <laughs> sex icon. Now, I'm right to assume that not only did you like summer camp in real life, but you became obsessed with summer camp? Well, I, yeah. <laughs> it's just because I was such a loser the rest of the year. And so I romanticized the two months a year that I was, could reinvent myself. And uh, when I was 19, I formed a band for the purpose of touring summer camps because I was too old to be a counselor. <laughs> <laughs> And then when I was too old to do that, I wrote a movie about it. <laughs> I, I get the sense that right now you are, have a lot of projects on the go. And one of them is writing the prequel to Wet Hot American Summer? That is one of them. Seriously? Yeah. What's the scoop on that? People are going to want to know. Uh, it's a slow but steady uh, writing process, and we're going to put it together as, just as soon as we can get that cast together again, which will be very difficult. But we're doing it. All right. It's in motion. Have you ever gone on one of those New York double-decker buses for a tour? I never have. You're about to have a chance. Oh, no. David, we found a worthy opponent for you. Let's welcome to the stage Eric Larson. <laughs> Eric works for the New York City Ballet as assistant lighting director. And Eric, have you ever been on the double-decker New York tour buses? I have not. This is going to be fantastic, because we are going to do a game right now called New York, You're a Star. What? Yes. We're going to replicate the feeling on be, of being on one of those double-decker buses okay. uh, that tour New York City just without the bus. This takes place in your mind. Mm. And this tour is entirely about movie moments set in New York. And your job is to name the film. Oh, Lord. Yes, exciting. <laughs> so here we go. We're heading up the side of the park to West 65th Street, where you'll see the Art Deco Peaks of 55 Central Park West. This is where the Sumerian god Gozer entered our plane of existence. Eric. My favorite movie of all time, Ghostbusters. Correct. I knew it too. <laughs> all right, on to Brooklyn. We'll soon be rolling down Stuyvesant Avenue in Bed-Stuy. Can't you almost feel that heat wave? Right here is where Mookie threw a trash can into the window of Sal's Pizza. David. Uh-oh. Hello, New York. <laughs> Fight the power. Do the right thing. That's correct. Let's cross the Verrazano Bridge to Staten Island. What a view. At the ferry terminal, we see throngs of big-haired commuters wearing big shoulder pads and white sneakers taking their orange boats to their demanding Manhattan jobs accompanied by the dulcet strains of Carly Simon's Let the River Run. David. I'm, I'm going to guess working girl. You're going to guess correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're doing great, too. Thanks. That was a victory dance halfway through a game. I like it. All right, it's time to get back to Manhattan, so let's go straight to Times Square. This place throbs with energy and people, except for now, when it is eerily deserted. And look... There is an increasingly frantic Tom Cruise sprinting down Broadway. David? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Vanilla Sky. That's right. 
Although I believe increasingly frantic and Tom Cruise is redundant, I think you only have to say one of those words. He also does a lot of sprinting, just even in he his loves general, sprinting. just in his regular life. He's always sprinting from place to place. <laughs> Let's head north on Central Park West to the American Museum of Natural History, where a 2005 indie divorce drama starring Jeff Daniels and Laura Linney ended in the Hall of Ocean Life, pondering a massive diorama of two sea creatures locked in combat. Uh, David. Thank you. David. Um, That movie was The Squid and the Whale. Exactly correct. Thank you. And it was a great movie. Winding back towards Central Park, we find ourselves at 52nd Street and Lexington Avenue and the world's most famous subway grate. You don't recognize it? Well, maybe if a train passed by and you were wearing a skirt, it would blow your skirt up like a certain blonde bombshell. Eric. Some like it hot? No, I'm sorry. I know exactly why you said that. It's a different one. David, do you want to, uh, do you know which one it is? Yes. Do you want to say it out loud? It is... (laughs) Marilyn Takes the Subway. (laughs) I love that movie. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie. It is The Seven Year Itch. The Seven Year Itch. Yes. (laughs) No points awarded. And our last stop is the intersection of 58th and 6th Avenue. If you nearly get hit by a taxi while crossing the street, just smack the hood and give the driver your best, I'm walking here. Eric. Is blanking. I lost it, sorry. No, not sure. David, can you steal? Midnight Cowboy. Yes, Midnight Cowboy is correct. Will, I turn to you. Eric, valiant effort, but you went up against the pro. David is the winner. Congratulations. I had a great time. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you. David Wayne, you're going to be moving on to our final showdown at the end of the show. You might become... I'll take the car. And ask me another grand champion. Have a hand for Eric and our VIP, David Wayne. Stay tuned, we'll step out of the office with our VIP actor, B.J. Novak. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR and WNYC's Hour of Trivia, Puzzles, and Word Games. I'm Ophira Eisenberg. Let's say hello to our next two contestants, Brian Gillis and Mark Goldstein. Welcome to Ask Me Another. Brian, you are getting your PhD right now. I'm trying. How's it going? Um, I'm trying. What are you getting your PhD in? (laughs) In English literature, American literature. Well, look at that. I really wanted that first game. (laughs) You really wanted the first game? You're like, I know this all? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why we didn't put you in it. (laughs) Fair enough. Mark, uh, what what do you do for a living? Computers is the short answer. Computers. I love that. I used to say (laughs) that to people at parties just to confuse them. (laughs) Our next game is called Ants Marching. Jonathan? This game was inspired by our six-legged friends who terrorize picnics by carrying off everything in sight. I'm talking about... Ants. 
So, contestants, the answer to each clue is a noun that ends in the letters A-N-T. Will Shorts, will you give us an example? Yes, if I said, first they came for our flaky French breakfast rolls, and we said nothing, the answer would be croissant. As you know, croissant ends in A-N-T. That's right. So, contestants, roll your socks over your pants, because the ants are swarming. (laughs) Ring in when you know the answer. Make that funnier in the edit, please. Impossible. Here's here's your first question. The ants left us the hummus, but it looks like we won't be having any baba ganoush because they took this vegetable. Brian. The eggplant. You got it. What haven't they taken yet? Let's see, the diapers are still here. We have the bottle. We have the stroller. Oh, my God! Mark? The infant. That's right. (laughs) Very big ants. Disturbing question. Disturbing question. It's a little disturbing. (laughs) Now that they've taken this, we have no way to scrub off all of our dead skin. Brian? Our exfoliants. That's right. The key ingredient at any picnic. (laughs) My poor mother, her big puffy hairstyle may have made her look like Jackie Kennedy, but that's no reason they should have taken it. Brian. Her bouffant? Her bouffant, yes. It's not surprising that this game bird was the first thing to go, considering it was right there on display under glass. Brian. The pheasant? Yes, the pheasant. I don't even know what that dish is. Why is it under glass? Well, that's how you store it. Okay. This is your last question. I kind of feel bad for inviting Wolverine to the picnic now that the ants took him away, as well as Cyclops and Storm. Mark. The mutants. That's right, mutant. (laughs) Will, how'd we do on that game? Oh, there's a clear winner this time. Brian is our champion. Well done, Brian. Thank you so much, Mark. Brian, you'll be moving on to our final round. Joining us on stage right now is writer, actor, comedian, who you may know as being Ryan Howard on the NBC series The Office. Please welcome B.J. Novak. Hello. Welcome to Ask Me Another. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. How is life after The Office? It's, um, it's nice. Now, how did it, you were writing on The Office and then you went to acting on The Office. How did that transition happen? Well, I actually started doing both at the same time. And okay. we kind of adjusted uh, myself and Mindy Kaling and Paul Lieberstein, who played Toby on the show. We all were actor-writers and we kind of adjusted accordingly. If we were very uh, involved in the writer's room one season or one episode, we would be more there. And if our character had suddenly something really fun to do, we'd spend more time on camera. So we would, we would feel it out as it went. And you wrote 15 episodes? Um, Something like that, yeah. And directed five? Something like that, yeah. Was there one that stands out to you that you are particularly proud of or was a favorite moment? Um, The first one I got to write was called Diversity Day. And it had Steve Carell's character, Michael Scott, uh, leading a workplace session on sort of tolerance of 
different ethnic and racial uh, sensitivity issues. And he was really the worst person that could ever lead such a thing. <laughs> and we really got to meet him through both how offensive he was and how hard he was trying. And that was a really, it was just sort of a comedy killing field um, to get to write someone be that offensive and that vulnerable was really, really fun. Now, you grew up with funny parents and in a funny family. Your father co-wrote the big book of Jewish humor. But were you a game-playing family? This is a crazy story that will take too long to tell. But when I was 10 years old, I played Scattergories with Michael Jackson. I don't care how long the story takes, <laughs> by the way. My father is a ghostwriter, um, primarily for celebrity and political memoirs. And he was working with a guy who had a charity initiative with Michael Jackson. We were told that in Lincoln, Massachusetts, at the house of medical guru Deepak Chopra, and we're sitting in this living room, and a man in a black hat dashes into the room in aviator sunglasses, and I thought it was an impersonator, because I thought Michael Jackson on his off day is going to be wearing like khakis and a T-shirt. <laughs> Not always Michael Jackson. But he was always Michael Jackson. He practically moonwalked into the room. I, I don't mean to imply anything with this anecdote, but I was hoping to sit at the adults' table because that's where I assumed Michael Jackson would be. Um, I was disappointed to be put at the kids' table, but who was seated next to me at the kids' table? Michael Jackson. But Michael Jackson. I couldn't... Affair, I couldn't make this up. And then the, the Chopra kids, after dinner, <laughs> the, Chopra kids. the Chopra kids said, let's play a game, and we went into the living room, and they broke out Scattergories, which happened to be my favorite game. I lost a game of Scattergories to Michael Jackson, and then he sang We Are the Champions. That is an incredible story. I'm glad I didn't go with the, the boggle with Madonna story, because it's not... <laughs> exactly. Next time, next yeah. time. BJ, thanks to the internet, we actually know your college honors thesis was titled To Be or Not to Be, Hollywood's Answers to Hamlet's Question. That is correct. Really? Oh, good. Because yep. uh, Wikipedia said it and we were just hoping. <laughs> but that is correct. Uh, coincidentally, we are a short walk away from the Delacorte Theater, home of the public theater's legendary Shakespeare in the Park summer program. Yeah. So in honor of Shakespeare in the Park, we're going to play a game Uh oh. <laughs> about various films that feature the greatest in-action hero, Hamlet. Hmm, okay. What do you think of that? I think this is literally a nightmare. <laughs> that after you graduate school, ten years later, you're taken on a large stage and given a pop quiz. <laughs> about... I think it's literally a nightmare since you asked that. That is how it feels. Good. Okay. Now, here's, here's a little extra little thing. If you get enough questions correct, Aaron Shalemi in Anchorage, Alaska will receive a special Ask Me Another prize. All right. And it's going to be great. This is for you, Aaron. Some of the greatest actors in history have played Hamlet on film. Lawrence Olivier, Kenneth Branagh, Mel Gibson. But the most financially successful film adaptation of Hamlet is arguably what animated Disney movie which featured a warthog and a meerkat telling Hamlet to stop worrying about his sad past. <laughs> uh, I'd like to phone a friend. <laughs> well, we have a hint. Uh, in Swahili, you might say Hakuna Matata. <laughs> well, now I know. <laughs> there you go. Is this The Lion King? Yeah. Okay. There you go. 
huge disparity between the clue and the hint, by the way. You think? Yeah. <laughs> In 1990s, Tom Stoppard directed the film adaptation of this play about two minor characters in Hamlet who are unable to change their fate. Name well, the play. I played Guildenstern in college, so I don't consider him minor. And that's Rosencrantz <laughs> and Guildenstern are dead. That I was told correct. it was a very important role. <laughs> in a 2000 film adaptation set in modern-day New York City, Hamlet is a film student who delivers his to-be-or-not-to-be speech in a blockbuster video store. What Gen X actor plays Hamlet wearing knit caps that a New York Times reviewer said made him look like a lost member of the Spin Doctors? Sounds of its time. Ethan Hawke. That is correct. With the brilliant Polonius, the best Polonius in film by Bill Murray. Awesome. And that film was supposed to be modern Hamlet. Yeah. But if you look at it now, it's like modern Hamlet with Polaroid cameras. Right. Blockbuster video. (laughs) The most dated thing it turns out you could have had in a movie about Hamlet. Surveillance bugs. Yeah. Kids are like, I know what the Danish royal family was like, but what's blockbuster? (laughs) That does not hold up. Finally, what Alfred Hitchcock film takes its title from a line in Act 2, Scene 2, when Hamlet says, I am but mad blank. When the wind is southerly, I know a hawk from a handsaw. North by Northwest. Perfect. Thank you. Well, I think he did... Perfecto. He did perfecto. Congratulations. Thank you for the hints. I needed them very much. Is going to win and ask me another Rubik's Cube. And you are going to win all of our adoration, not only for being great at this quiz, but for having one of the best stories I have ever heard on our Ask Me Another I didn't show. earn the story. It just happened to me, but well, thank you. thank you for telling it and being a wonderful guest. BJ Novak, thank everybody. Thank you very much. Now let's bring back Nellie Mackay for one more song. Nellie, what would you like to play for us? Thank you. This is a song about self-delusion. It's called, If I Had You. I could show the world how to smile. I could be glad all of the while. I could turn the gray skies to blue if I had you. Could be a king, dear uncrowned, humble or poor, rich or renowned. There is nothing I couldn't do if I had you. Now it's the moment we've all been waiting for. We're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back from married, not married, Kurt Anderson. From they're not booing, Sam Dennehy. From Song of Summer, Cassidy Brown. From New York, you're the star, David Wayne. And from Ants Marching, Brian Gillis. I'm going to ask our VIP puzzle guru, Will Shorts, to lead the final round with a game of his own devising. This final round is called 5 by 5 I'm going to give you two five-letter words. 
Your challenge is to rearrange the letters of the first word to get a synonym of the other. For example, if I gave you strut, S-T-R-U-T, and faith, you would say trust, which is an anagram of strut and is a synonym of faith. Now we're going to play this spelling bee style. So one wrong answer and you're out. You'll have only a few seconds to give us an answer. Last person standing is our grand winner. Remember, rearrange the letters of the first word to get a synonym of the second one. Here we go. Kurt, you're up. Binge, B-I-N-G-E, to mean start. Begin. Begin is correct. (laughs) Sam. Fiber, F-I-B-E-R, to mean short. F-I-B-E-R, to mean short. Okay, time's up. Thank you, Sam. Cassidy, do you know fiber to mean short? No. Okay, sorry, Cassidy. Oh, David is in the hot spot. Fiber, that means short. Brief. Brief is it, yes. We're down to three contestants. Brian. Trams, T-R-A-M-S, to mean sting. Smart. Smart, is it? Yes. Uh, Kurt. Lamed, L-A-M-E-D, to mean award. Medal. The medal is it. And uh, David. U-boat, U-B-O-A-T, to mean circa. Uh... About. About About is it, yes. Okay, well, you guys are so good, we're going to make things a little more challenging. (laughs) Now I'm not going to tell you which word is the anagram and which is the synonym. That's for you to figure out. (laughs) Brian, this is your first one of these. Scope, S-C-O-P-E, and anger, A-N-G-E-R. Scope and anger. Gear? G. Oh, sorry. Uh. Scope and anger. No, I don't hear the answer. Okay. Kurt, scope and anger. Range. Range is it. Okay. So we're down to two contestants. David, your clues are cruel, C-R-U-E-L, and money, M-O-N-E-Y. Uh, uh, okay, ready? C-R-U. I think this time is up. Valero. Yeah. Kurt, do you know Cruel and Money? Lucre. Lucre, our champion. Well done, Kurt Anderson. You are our Ask Me Another big winner. You are getting a prize. It is the ultimate nerd beach tote. All of our VIPs have contributed a little bit something to the swag bag. We will take your contribution out of it, since you you. may already have it. (laughs) Thank you. You will have some crossword puzzle books provided by Will Shorts, a signed DVD of Wet Hot American Summer from David Wayne, CDs from Nellie Mackay and Jonathan Colton, and BJ Novak has contributed his co-star Rain Wilson's personal cell phone number, and so you can call Rain Wilson whenever you need to. Excellent. Quite a bag. Congratulations. Thank you. Well Thank you done. Both. 
Now that was a final round. Will Shorts, everybody. Unfortunately, that's all we have for you, but you can be a puzzle player anytime, anyplace. Take us with you by downloading our podcast, or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Will Shorts. Hey, my name anagrams to Wiz Stroll. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou jolt a cannon. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung. Gnu Chart. With additional puzzle writing by Jonathan Bayliss, Storm D. Costanzo, Dan Schofield, and J. Keith Van Stratton. Ask Me Another is produced by Jesse Baker. Jab Seekers. Josh Rogeson. Rhinos Jog So. John Asante. Hat No Jeans. And Eleanor Kagan. And Orange Lake. Along with Portia Robertson Migas and Eric Newsom. We are recorded by Paul Ruest, Noriko Okabe, and David Hurtgen. We'd like to thank the City Parks Foundation. Panicky Naturist Food. And our production partner, WNYC. CNYW. I'm her right begonias. That would be Ophira Eisenberg. (laughs) And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, we talk to the director of Bridesmaids, Paul Feig, about funny women. I go to the movies and I see like a male comedy and all the, those funny women aren't being funny. They're being like the mean girlfriend or the wife who's a drag. And it's like, well, that's not cool. I just want all these funny women to be stars. Join me, Ophira Eisberg, and Paul Feig on NPR's Ask Me Another. 